welcome to Alliance Podcast. It, it's been a long time since our last show, and our last episode was the 30th, 30th episode, actually. And uh, it's, it's this, uh, our, our show started back uh, during the pandemic in 2020, and it went on for a whole year uh, or so. And again, we, I think we finished off with our 30th or 31st episode, and we're glad to be back. It's been an awful lot of time that's gone by and a lot of things that's happened. And I'm your host. Al RDC, and I am very fortunate tonight to have um, Marcus Reyes and Mike Mazza with me. As you all know, Marcus Reyes uh, is the creator of Mofi TV, and Mike Mazza is an actor who uh, more recently uh, was in the feature film Love Dave, which I was lucky to be a part of, which is on Amazon, and other projects. He's also involved in uh, celebrity boxing. We're going to be talking about a few of these things going forward and see where Mopfi TV is now in 2023. So I'm going to start off first with you, Marcus. And first of all, I want to uh, welcome both of you to the show. Yeah, great to be back, man. Thanks for having us again. Um, and Mike, of course, it's been a very busy couple of years for you as well, correct? Yep. So... My first question goes to you, Marcus. First of all, where, tell the world where Mopi TV is today. So we've been, you know, we took some time. Um, I would say after the after March 2020 when we launched Mopi TV, you know, it, it took us a year to like really get the app um, in a place where we wanted it to be. And then after that first. Um, that first year of launching, we had to kind of double back and make some adjustments to the app and kind of, you know, really focused it on how do we want the app to be really user-friendly and, you know, a little more um, just just basically tightening up the app to where it's completely in a, in a place where when people go on to use it and, you know, just go in there and, and look around and, and watch stuff and just using it overall. We wanted to make sure that people had a good experience using it and it wasn't doing, you know, things like crashing or having issues with finding things or sorting things. So we took some time to like really focus on making the app better. And I would say around the end of last year, maybe around November of, I would say 2022, the app was finally in a good place where now you can go on it and there's no issues and everything looks great. Even the quality of the the content that's on Mofi is even improved just by fixing the app from a back end perspective. So right now we're we're um we're all happy where Mofi is as far as like the usability of the app. And I think um Go, you know, after that, moving forward, we can focus on getting more content on Mofi and just, you know, marketing it and promoting it overall. Okay, so I know that there's a lot more content on there. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into it with you on a few other things, but I want to uh, talk to Mike because it's been a while since um, uh, uh, me and Mike have had conversations about acting and. And we both know things have changed since the pandemic. How has it changed for you, Mike? Uh, still no work. 
<laughs> that, that's not entirely true. <laughs> what have you been up to? Let's talk about that. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I do celebrity boxing now. I do that. Um, I uh, started. Uh, I have a new mentor who's a Jeff Designer, who was one of New York City's top agents back in the day. I just did a showcase with him. Um, I have a new TV show coming up, but I, I can't really discuss like what it is, the name of the show or what it is yet, but it's going to include a lot of big-name celebrities. Um, I'm doing that with Tyran Moore, who a lot of people know, the son of Peppa. He's on the TV show Growing Up Hip Hop. Right. Um, other than that, you know, I'm still just waiting for everything to start that I've rolled in. So, I mean, Marcus, you, you heard what Mike said, but so where's all the work gone? I know that a lot of it's gone to Atlanta. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the pandemic really put a, a hit, a, a, a big dent, or, you know, it was a big blow to the media industry in general. Everything slowed down. People were kind of like at a standstill. I mean, from a, you know, from a, from being a platform that distributes content, I think it's like a gift and a curse because you had people home and I think we did really well. You know, I would say as far as like launching during the pandemic because everybody was home, but we didn't have enough content on Mopi to, you know, to supply like the time that people were home. If we had like, if we, if, Mophie was where it is now when the pandemic happened. I think like things would be, you know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the viewership would have been a lot more higher than where it is because so many people were home. But once the pandemic kind of like quieted down a little bit, everybody was happy to be back out, you know? So to get those people back to watching TV the way that they were watching or, or consuming content, it would have been probably a good jump start for Mophie because we, you know, when we started during March 2020, we didn't have that much content. So it was kind of hard to like, you know, organically grow, but we did grow, you know, we like at right now we're at like 1.6 million installs across the board. So um, I would say, you know, it would have been, it would have been nice to see, but the, the media industry definitely took a, a hard hit with people not, you know, finding work or nobody was really filming anything. And if we did, there was a lot of restrictions. There was a lot of, um, you know, red tapes to to doing, you know, any type of acting or production work, you know? Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I mean, Mike, that's a hell of a way to, 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 to keep yourself in the entertainment business uh, to get into celebrity boxing. And I know you had... Uh, quite a few events that you you've done already uh was it was it lucrative yeah i mean i would have never have um i would have never met tyran and he's like one of my best friends now um and that was like i'm i'm the type of person i'm very ballsy if i see a celebrity i'll walk up and talk to him and just bullshit with them like i'm not gonna be like you know an obsessed fan i'll be like hey ask for advice or you know what do you think about this like you know i it's like what i did with billy zane like, I saw the opportunity to talk to him. We ended up having almost a two-and-a-half-hour conversation and ended up getting his contact. Like, 
just because we had a good conversation. Like, I don't go up like a fan. You know, I go up as a professional, like an actor. And um, with Celebrity Boxing, when I saw Tyran and Peppa and, like, Tretch from Noi by Nature and all that, I was there alone. And I hate being alone. So I was like, you know what, let me try and make some friends. And I walked up to Tyran and was like, hey, can I just hang out with you? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. And it's funny because now recently Tyran told me, like, when I when he saw me walking up, he was like, dude, I knew you wanted to hang out. <laughs> like, oh. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I could tell you were going to ask, like, yeah, you want to hang out? So, so, but, like, oh. so are you, is your interest to, to return to feature films and, and to do uh, more comp- complicated work like uh, I Thought Love Dave was, uh, you put quite a performance in. I mean, are you looking to get I back mean, to something that deep? I mean, for me, I wasn't a huge fan of Love Dave because I thought my performance could have been like every actor they hate watching themselves could have been better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know Shatner um, doesn't like looking at himself. A lot of people don't. Yeah, like I just I thought I could have done a sh- like a shitload better. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean I tell Marcus all the time, like, dude, I'm like, no, Dave would not do that. Nope, he would not act like that. Like at the beginning, when she broke up with him, and he's on the phone, like, dude, she broke up with me. Like, no, that was like how I would act if I was with a girl, like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I, I don't know. Well, you know. But with Dave's personality, I feel like, like, if I knew him how I knew him now, he would be, like, more like, dude, like, she broke up with me, like, pissed off upset. What do you what do you think, Marcus? Would you really change the demeanor of the character as Mike Mazza portrayed him? You, you know what's funny is that um, I, the way I look at Love Dave now is, like, at the time, it felt like, it was like that first go around where you had you had a great experience doing it because it was the first time of like working with everyone that you know that was part of the project and now when i look back at it i'm like how different would it be and it's like a nice feeling to flirt with because you you think about how everyone sort of like kind of started together for the first time working on this project even for me like i was still learning a lot of things as a writer and a director. And I, I feel like, yeah, of course, if I go back now and do it different, I would do everything a lot different. And I'm sure as an actor and as actors, you guys would probably do things a lot different too. So it's more like a, it's like a mysterious feeling now when I look at Love, Dave. And I still love the film. I still feel like I hold it dear to my heart. But when I think about like how different would it be, yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, it would be like one of those things where like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if like It'd be, Larry I think Bird it would be, and Magic Johnson play together, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know you're going to get think, greatness, you know? I think I think it would be night and day. Like you would see like everyone's performance totally different. Well, I yeah. think we were all, I think we were all under quite a bit of pressure. I mean, we were in the, the pandemic uh, we were doing things that a lot of people weren't doing. And, but, but you know, that, right now with Marcus, he's a beast with these cameras now. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I can understand that from a, a visual standpoint. How because also when we filmed Love Dave, he, we just got the cameras. So like we didn't fully know them to their full capability compared to now. Like I think whatever Marcus puts out now, like it's straight up gold. Yet, it's still a cult classic. 
Yeah. 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 You know, it's like the film that some people told me they just wanted to stop watching sometimes, but they couldn't (laughs) because they knew there was fabric. I guess there was enough emotion in the film and enough. uh, uh, There's just so many things going on. And I guess we needed more time, right? We needed the cameras better, but we needed more time. And time at that time is not something anybody has. See, Um, when people tell me they saw Love, Dave, I always tell them, like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to watch that. And I don't say that because <laughs> the way – I don't say that – but listen, I don't say that because the way it was filmed or because my acting. I say that because they had to see my ass. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you got to do – you know, you got to squat, do some squats next time, I guess, right? <laughs> I think somebody said that. But um, uh, I think – I always get a lot, of, a lot of funny cracks about Ross Sullivan. Uh, yeah. I played him so uh, – yeah, um, yeah. It's loud, I guess, is the word. I go to the freaking bar, people are like, oh, look, it's the dog fucker. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was a nasty bastard. He really was. And uh, it's, I feel not, like, it's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, a lot of us fell in love with characters on Love, Dave. And even for me, like, there's a lot of moments that I still recite till this day. Like, I would literally recite a lot of scenes to everyone that I know just because of the memorable quotes and the memorable moments you know and to me Love Dave is like a unicorn man it's like it's something that you see but you probably never see it again you know right but now look at let's let's kind of flip everything so where where are things so I just you know for the Alliance series I just finished the fourth book with yeah. uh, Rob Calori and, and, and Karen Nordahl uh, my co- authors and so now you have four of them out there and it's actually yeah. the last one's the start of a whole new thing with the rise of Reese and they're all on amazon but um i did a, a film last year called affliction and it, it it had some time it was some time there for it to come out and it's mm-hmm. finally come out and uh i guess they're going to have a showing on the 29th of april or they're going to do it on may 6th but i think it's going to be going to the mm-hmm. film festivals and everything else it's a period piece so there's the 70s, and then you're in the late 80s, and it's it's a tragic thing, a child custody case, and I play a lawyer in there. But it's not like a Ross Sullivan guy. Um, it's really interesting. It's like, you know, it's like that attorney, you know, I beefed up for him, you know. So you get this kind of yeah. like bulky attorney who kind of like, you know, takes your money, and, and he's, he's got a lumber to him when he walks, and he's, he does a lot of pointing at you, you know. And you remember, we all probably know lawyers like that who lose you money. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, but they look good when they're doing what they do. But um, I'm looking forward to that coming out. I think that the, the pandemic derailed a lot of us when we, we were on a roll. And um, I did it to everybody, actually. But... Now, you know, we have to move forward and uh, what, so let's try it this way. So I, what projects are you green lighting? What, what, what is next? What, uh, because I think for you, this is just my opinion. And I mean, we haven't all talked together like this in a while. So we're not as full of energy as we used to be, but I, I think you need to make your own, your own, uh, uh, the well, you know, you need to make your own, and I think you have or can. Or, what's your plan? What's coming? What's on the slate? What's coming off the slate next? 
So after so after we finish um upgrading Mofi to where it is now and everyone including myself, I'm extremely happy with where Mofi is as a platform. Like when you go on Mofi now, you can't say anything about it that's like you know, oh, well, I don't see this, or how do you do that, or how is, you know, like, how can right. I, how how come I can't do this, or there's, like, so many, like, great features now in Mopi, and it's it's such a, it's laid out so well now, as a, as from a development, plat, um, from a development standpoint, um, Mopi is in a great place, we just have to add it to more platforms, which is super easy now, because we basically, locked in a code in for the app that's really really amazing so once that was taken care of i think i i myself and everyone else we were all motivated to basically flood mofi with content so the second thing that we did was we totally upgraded our uh equipment production equipment so we have so much really good production resources that can allow us to film at a high level so we can literally film on a level of like a Netflix or HBO where when we do content now and we put it up it looks like 10 times amazing so with that being said that even motivated everyone more for for us to like produce more content and new projects and new shows so I've been writing like crazy I've been working on um you know, uh, getting a lot of projects sort of like go going through the pipeline of getting greenlit for Mofi. So we have tons of films, TV shows, documentaries, um, live event projects. Um, of course, you know, we want to bring more content to the auto section and the gaming section and the podcast section. But um, ideally, we would like to greenlight a lot of um films and tv scripted series to mofi because we do have a lot of cool non-scripted stuff but we want to get like you know films and tv series like really going on mofi well you have some listed there i don't know who's signed to what besides i know i there's a couple of them that i'm signed to an imdb i mean mike you're probably involved in some of these projects as well yeah. i would think right mm-hmm. um what do you what so we just got to we got to kind of now Mopi TV you can get to Mopi TV uh at the App Store right uh yeah just if anybody wants it obviously if they go on their own TV with the uh, Roku Roku package and all these other things you're going to see you can just you can just go and just dial it up on your TV and just get Mopi TV if you want mm-hmm. I think one of the last series that you guys are doing with Shadow Society um, yeah. and I think right, there's a couple episodes out on that. Is there two or three now, or I know there was yeah, two. So we're, 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 there's two out already, and we're finishing episode three. We actually shot some stuff for today as well. Um, you know, with Shot Society, it's such a um, you know it's such a unique project because when we film scenes for it, it requires a lot of details that we have to like find where like locations are very important. Um, getting the scene done right is important. We just got like, you know, some props or like some, uh, I would say SFX stuff, Mike, for us right. to improve yeah. characters. When you see the people that are like considered reptilians on the screen, they're going to look really, really amazing. So we've been taking our time and getting the episodes done right. And because we know that when the episode comes out, 
you know, they're going to be like the best that we can do. And um, we, we upgrade, you know, we upgraded our equipment, right. Um, in the middle of, you know, production. So now when we shoot our new scenes, we're shooting it with the new cameras and the new, you know, settings that we're using to make it look like really just like industry quality, you know? So, you know, when you see the new episodes, you're going to see a huge jump in quality and, you know, just overall everything in production. So what is the, you, both of your feelings? I'll ask, put it to Mike first. With regards to the Baldwin shooting and, and uh, Rust, uh, what's your thoughts on, on the preparation for uh, projects that you guys are involved in on Mofi TV and how uh, it, that incident has changed your perspective on how you deal with uh, action uh, scenes and, and things that have to do with firearms? Wait, oh, you're talking about with what's-his-name? Um, Baldwin, yeah, and it's the... I mean, he actually, actually killed his. This is gonna sound a little producer there, I guess. Little, this is gonna sound a little morbid coming from me. I mean, I could care less. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I mean, you want to check it. I mean, if I'm working the firearm, like someone's pointing it at me, whatever. If it happens, it happens. But yeah, of course, it has to be checked. Like mm-hmm. it should be checked at all times before using a firearm on set. Um, but I feel like there's. I don't know. There's nothing you can really do. It has to. Be, it's common sense. It needs to be checked. But, there's but no... I, would, I would think you guys can get away with your with uh, special effects now with just a dummy yeah. weapon. You really yeah. don't even need it. I mean, I remember yeah. when, uh, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, as as for independent filmmakers, we tend to like be creative with how we do things when it comes to like you know doing scenes where it requires like a firearm being discharged. Like we've never had to the um the luxury of filming um firearm scenes with prop guns where they fire off blanks and they right. give you that realistic sound or that realistic um look where you can see you know the shells flying out or you can you can hear the actual sound but there's no bullet that's going to actually you know impact the actors but for independent filmmakers we we have to use like uh, different methods, which is applying special effects and sound effects using prop guns or like using airsoft pistols, where they 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 you know they cock back when you fire, but nothing comes out, and we have to like pretty much add the special effects and the sound effects after. And I, I'm okay with that, to be honest with you. Like I am totally okay with the way that we you and if we if we can stay like that and just improve the 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 graphics or the quality of the special effects then i don't see a problem with with that either like i'm not gun ho about us having prop guns on you know yeah. on projects that we do because i'm i'm pretty happy with the results of like you know using creating creating it yeah right right i mean if you look at like shout society we had an opening scene in episode two where there was a gunfight or there was a, a, a fight where, you know, the gun was discharged and we didn't have any blank bullets or any blank prop guns. We use airsoft pistols and we add the special effects in, you know, and it, it, you would, I mean, if you watch it, it I don't think it looked cheesy or corny at all, you know? Yeah. I, I know. I listen, I, we did a scene once in Alliance and, uh, I think it was the Flats character, and he fired around 
uh, and killed the FBI agent there in, in an episode. But the thing was, his character was not used to using a weapon. And I have to say, Column, and you guys know Column, uh, Flattery, he did some job with the way he picked it up and the way he held it in, in sideways. And as it fired, he kind of jerked like, he, you know, when, when you're someone who doesn't handle a weapon and it fires, you almost want to let go of it. And he didn't do that. But he, he looked like he was. And then the way that Karen, uh, from a cinematographer standpoint, when she was editing, put everything together, you could just hear the round go flying and, and you see the burst and the reaction. And it was just even Adam and you guys worked with Adam, uh, Momain, who was on, uh, who helped out with Love Dave sitting at the table there. Um, uh, Adam, he shrugged his shoulders when the round went off without even knowing a round went off. Like yeah. just, just, just by the motion that he made because we didn't have any live weapons on the set. Um, mm. and it's just when you have people who can do stuff like that and you have the special effects, you're right. Why, why use something that could have a projectile in it? And I just, to me, I just mm. never understood, you know, being a law enforcement guy and everything else, I never understood what the hell went out on out there. Uh, but now that I'm getting some of the story, they must have been doing some live shooting out there, at tar- at, uh, doing target shooting out in the desert. So somebody mm. somewhere was mixing live rounds and how the heck somebody mixed it in and, you know, mistaken one for the other and then put it into a, 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 a you know, a, a prop gun uh, that's capable of firing a projectile and handing it to him. I, I don't know. But yeah. um, I think know. going forward, though, they definitely, you know, made some changes and I think from what I'm hearing they, there's it's been really you know like they they buck, they buckle down on like the way firearms are handled on sets now so I think it kind of maybe triggered a, a a new awareness of like prop guns on set so maybe that's the positive thing about it even though unfortunately someone lost their life it yeah it had to be like you know uh, a serious change or serious shift now in how prop guns are being used on set. So along the story of Mike, you know, who likes to run into uh, act fellow actors and talk to them. Uh, I was at the Pierre a couple of weeks back at a hotel in uh, the city in Columbus Circle. <laughs> and I was actually down there on business with, one of, with another friend of mine and we were looking at some property and then we were done and I walked into the Pierre and I had a drink by myself and as the evening went on, it cleared out a little bit in there. And then all that was left is this gentleman to the right of me. He just kind of slid over and introduced himself. And it was Alan Ruck. And <laughs> Alan Ruck, uh, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he goes, I'm Alan Ruck. You know, I'm on a TV show called Succession. And I said, yeah, you know, I haven't seen Succession, but I have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you, you know, you were Cameron and – I said, more importantly, you're on Star Trek and you probably caught a lot of shit because you were Captain Harrison, I think, who was on the Enterprise A or whatever on its maiden voyage when Kirk got killed and sucked out of there because of something that yeah. your character did. He goes, oh, man. He goes, I catch so much shit from Trekkies about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. he, he gave me an interesting perspective. And, uh, Mike, you find this interesting that, you know, he was telling me that and I'm surprised to hear this from him, really. He's got to be in his 60s now. And he's like, you know, doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he says that Matthew Broderick gave him his start and everything. He's very thankful to him about that. 
He said, but after doing that role, which me, I thought was a more complex role than any other role there, because he, the other one's playing the party guy. She's the girl. The other yeah, one's the girl, right? Because he was a hypochondriac. Right, and he was the one who, you know, almost off himself or pretend to off himself in some way in, in the pool. And I said to him, I, I said, well, he goes, but I got this loser. He puts the L sign on his forehead. I'm this loser guy now, typecast as the loser guy. And I hate that. And I'm like, well, you know, look at, I do understand being typecasted because there's nobody going to let me be uh, the father of the Brady kid. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe who's the boss part two, but for me, mm-hmm. if it's not a, it's not an NYPD cop or a, or a harsh lawyer or a bad guy or a grease monkey or someone like that, I don't really get the warm and fuzzy stuff, you know, mm-hmm. to do, um, which I'd like to do, but I never get the chance to really do that. I mean, Mike, you get typecasted or what do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't really know because I haven't really done anything yet except for Love Days. But what's your look, though? Uh, uh, In your I, mind. <laughs> I would say, like, I would, I, I could see a cop. I could see a hitman. Well, um, let's put it this way. What would you not pick yourself for if you were on well, the other like side of Like you said, thing? the Brady dad, I, definitely not that. Um, I, I think you did a serial killer pretty good. <laughs> I think you did them pretty good. You I mean, took I every. I, could do it. I think I could do a serial killer better than what I did. Well, you uh, took Shay to Pound Town pretty good there, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pound Town. Um, the, yeah. um, the beauty. Psycho killer, uh, hitman, detective, maybe a hacker. Um. You know, comedy movies. I, I know I could do comedy because I did stand-up comedy. I know I could be funny because I'm just stupid like that. Because my jokes really sometimes are not funny, as Marcus can tell you. <laughs> I think your demeanor carry you well. Uh, you know, I could do comedy. You guys have seen me in Matchless. I can do comedy. Um, yeah. I can do com- I like physical comedy, though. I like stuff where people are falling and, and getting kicked in the nuts and all kinds of uh, yeah, stuff comedy, like that. But- my comedy, like Mark says all the time, like, bro, you're going to get canceled because my comedy, <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Like, oh. my job is to cross that line or to get to that line. So, like, I'll say something like, I'm a quarter Jewish. I'll talk about the Jews. Like, oh. I don't so care he's... because technically, <laughs> even though it's a quarter, I'm a quarter Jewish and I say it doesn't count, I say, that's my people. I could do that. <laughs> you know, like I told Marcus a really, really bad joke the other day. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, and I'll, I'll tell it right now. So I came up with this joke because it was Easter. And everybody knows, like, Easter's, you know, when Jesus supposedly came back from the dead. Right. So I made up some stupid joke, and I said it to Marcus, and it was so stupid. I just randomly pulled it out my ass, like, oh, listen to this. I just made it up. Um, I said, how come we don't see that many Jews walking on Easter Sunday? And Marcus was like, why? And I was like, because they failed at their ca- capital punishment. Like, <laughs> get it? Because they don't want to show their faces because they failed at killing Jesus. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> so I could hear Marcus. 
I can hear Marcus, and Marcus ain't saying anything. So I can hear in his head going, no, he, he, he giggled. Giggled. I heard him giggle. I heard, I heard him giggle. I heard him giggle. <laughs> you know, yeah, and that's, right. that, you know, that's another thing, too. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left on the show, but to, to get into the end part. So we talked about uh, the weapon usage. How about the, the weaponizing of words and, and, and all these things that are going on now and trying to create a film that has a feeling, it has meaning, but doesn't offend people at the same time? I mean, we'll see. wow, how do we we'll do that? I was talking to Marcus about this because now they're making it too where if you're not gay, you can't play a gay guy. Like the actor can only be a gay dude. Or like if you're not trans, you can't play a trans person if you're a straight guy. No, I thought Robin Williams played a hell of a gay guy. He wasn't gay. Yeah, but he and he also played Miss Doubtfire. Yeah. Dressed like a woman. He played a woman. Yeah. Like you can't they'll they'll get pissed about that. And I think that's so stupid because our job is being an actor. Well, you, you yeah, you're you know, I, I always think about acting and I one thing I'll always miss about it. I, I, when you have it out downright perfect, right? You know your lines, you know your character and you're just belting it out and you're just there. You know, and you you know you're there. Even the director knows you're there. That's when it's the best. That's when it's the best because it's like some people like to stumble around a little bit, and I don't mind that. But when I'm confident, it makes it easier for me to stumble around and do it right and do it in a way where people can say, well, I didn't expect that. But I had control over most of it. I think you have to be consistent as an actor. You have to work consistently or at least practice consistently or at least even if you're not getting anything, right, you know, doing your your uh, reads for people, right, auditioning, if you will, is it, that's work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me as, as a writer, I like let it go. I don't worry about who is going to offend or who is going to take it this way or that way. I think, like, I just creatively create and then – you know, once you get to like that moment of like, you know, being on set or actually executing the scene, then you look at it and say, okay, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's all about discretion and just being aware of like some of the things, you know, that you're doing as a writer. I mean, there's a there's a series that we're working on, and to me, it's like it's not really holding any punches, and it's called Vigilante and. I feel like the writing in that is meant to be sort of offensive to the viewers because we want to kind of make you feel uncomfortable, but we also want you to see like why these characters are the way they are, you know, because they are put into an environment where they are going to be uncomfortable and the viewers are going to be like, ah, that's kind of, that's kind of messed up, but it is, you know, it is some truth to it or it is kind of funny, you know, so it's meant to be, you know, kind of like knee-jerking, as they say, right? But are you, you know, and, and this, I wanted to ask you about this. Are you getting more picky? Are you more picky than you were years ago about who you're letting act for you? Are you getting no, more picky with the, no? Like, I'm, are you looking at their, their, are you, yeah, I was just like curious if you were, you know, sometimes in this business, and, and Mike, you know this, we we want to help everybody, Right. 
And if you're good, if you if you really you, you try to be something that this business doesn't have, and that's a lot of good heartedness. And that's that's there's not a lot of that. We know that. I mean, let's face it, right? It's a cutthroat business. It's who you know. It's the the lucky sperm club, the family. You know, unless you're creating your own thing, and then you hit your you know you get your 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 something someone else just couldn't couldn't make on their own. But I wonder if as we get on in this. Do we expect more out of ourselves as actors and as creators like yourself, Marcus? Do you do you think a little bit more about who is going to play the roles of the characters that you create as opposed to you did a few years ago? No, I think for me it's like when I write my scripts, I think about the people that I currently work with as like how oh. would they how would they interpret this character and and knowing them personally, how would I? sort of like write the character to be very similar or to mimic their personality or their demeanor or their, you know, just overall, you know, like just the way that I would see how you speak as a person or how you act as a, as an actor. And I would embody that into the script because I'm one of those directors that like to work with the people that I know already because I know how I know them personally and I know how they would interpret the characters. So I kind of write characters for people that I know, but if I'm casting, if you're, if you're good at the role, I don't care whether you are, you are, you know, straight or you identify as whatever sexuality you identify with. If you can act and you can do the character the way that I see it fit, then that's what I'm going with. You know, it's, it doesn't matter, you know, what type of bill you fit is to me. It's like, if you can, if you can interpret the character the way that I envision it, then that's all I, that's all that matters to me. Mike, uh, I know you've been working on your acting. Do, are you concerned about what, uh, what kind of, what do you give out? Uh, are you better than you were a year ago? Is that a big thing for you? Um, <clears throat> well, the thing is, I don't know if I'm better than I was a year ago because I haven't been able to perform on camera. So I, that's why I've been doing, like, so, like, a lot of, I think a lot of people, because I say it's a lot, like, without Marcus, I wouldn't have had anything. Like, if he didn't believe in me, I wouldn't have had anything. Like, he gave me the shot. And, like, with who I'm working with now as my acting coach, I met also because of Marcus. And... He was like, uh, like I said, he was New York City's top, you know, movie agent back in the day. He was like the Jerry Maguire. And um, I did his class, and it was cool because the class, he has like a set of classes. And Marcus knows this. He has a set of classes, like levels that you start off at, and then you work your way to a showcase where you're seen by agents. So he tried contacting me, stuff like that. And he, he's, you know, tried getting me to do the classes, but I was like, yeah, I can't afford that right now. Um, I'm a broke-ass bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Yeah, so, actor's uh, life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I tell Marcus all the time I'm a broke-ass bitch. So so he, then he called me a month later, and he was like, hey, I saw your reel. Now, Marcus knows because Marcus also helped me with my reel. A lot of it is, is a couple scenes from Love, Dave. This one uh, independent film I did, which is, absolutely horrible but my scene wasn't that bad um and <laughs> oh, you know what i'm talking about Marcus. you know yeah <laughs> he's hard on himself you know and then um and then the other scene which is a scene i did 
for an audition that I was doing, which came out pretty good. Like I was a gun, a gun dealer. And Jeffrey saw my reel, called me up and was like, Hey, I saw your reel on IMDb. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. He's like, look, what I'm going to do is he's like, forget all those other classes. I'm moving you straight to the showcase class where you'll be seen. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I ended up like doing that. And this is like something that means like a lot to me that he said to me the other day. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but this is like, it means a lot to me that he actually said this, that someone who's known in Hollywood and well-respected said this to me. So I've been working on this scene. Marcus saw the scene. So I, I posted it. I don't know if you saw it. It was on Facebook. I posted the scene um, from the showcase. Yeah, I did see it. No, I saw it. And it was, um, it, was it was very good. And um, I was like, it was so, very good. <laughs> well, a few weeks before that, at rehearsal, the rest of the class left, and one of the girls was like, you know, like with the scene, he was like, oh, you know, like, you guys, uh, the scene was kind of stale in rehearsal. But he told me as we were leaving, he was like, don't worry about it. Like, you did a great job. He was like, you're supposed to be in this business. I'm going to make sure, like, I help you. And when he said that to me, I was like, wow, like, okay wow, like he said I'm supposed to be in this business. Like, wow, so that's cool that I actually see something in me. But, you know, and I'm going to end it with, with this because we're going to have to go soon in like the next few minutes. But I was listening to Jason Alexander, and I think everybody knows who he is um, mm. from Seinfeld. He played George in Seinfeld. And he was saying that at this time, this time in, 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 in history, that – the people who are waiting for somebody else to give them something or somebody else to get them somewhere, um, especially in this day and age with everything that's available to us, you need to make your own thing. Yeah. Make your own stuff. Make your own stuff. Make something, you know, that people just can't put down uh, or say no to, right? And I, I really believe that that is going to be a path. I'm hoping that, you know, we we all get to do that together. Well, that's what know. Billy Zane told me. He said, make your own luck. Like, his line from Titanic, he actually said he uses that. He's like, make your own luck. Yeah, it's true because, it, it you know, it comes down to that, and it comes down, you know, right place, right time. That's how I, when I did my work with Al Pacino. And, but and network, you know. Yeah, when I told Alan the story about Al Pacino, he's laughing at me. He goes, you know, it's funny. He goes, you would think with everything that I've been doing, right, and you're trying to do what you're doing, he said, I may, may make more money in, the, in, in that job. He goes, but you worked at Al Pacino and I never did. <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, these good. things happen. It, it's just amazing. It really was. But um, yeah. so, Marcus, let's, uh, let's circle back again with you and Mike um, in a couple of weeks. And, and maybe you can announce some stuff or when you're ready to announce some new stuff yeah. uh, and we're going to get started in some productions and it's going to, it will be in uh, pre-production and um, mm -hmm. then get, get rolling and with some, some projects, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Affliction for me should, I don't know how she's putting it out there. I don't know if Eliza is going to put it on YouTube, if she's going to put it on um, uh, Amazon or what she's going for, but a dramatic piece like that, uh, and you know, you're only going to see six minutes of it from what I'm sending you, even though it's it's a long six minutes for me. Um, 
the whole piece itself is is probably you know since the period piece and back and forth is probably quite a thing to see. So, but I would imagine she's probably going to go for the film festivals. And yeah. So. Yeah. But I mean, from the 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 pictures, you know that. Uh, like from the way you explained it to me, it seems like it's a pretty cool project and I'm excited to see like the role that you play in that. Cause I know, you know, it was right up your alley. Yeah. I, I, I hope you guys like it and you'll get to see it. I've sent it to you. So you guys will get to get a look at it. And then when the whole piece comes out or when it de- debuts, because if, if, if you like her work, she is somebody you might be able to use, but you know, when you're watching, pay attention to Gail's performance because you can't, you can't not, uh, the one who plays the law, uh, plays the uh, psychiatrist, because at the end yeah. you might, you might, you, the tears might come out of your eyes, and you're not even seeing the whole film. So yeah. it's just she did such a job, um, and somebody we could consider for future work. And even Chris did a nice yeah. job of those. I had uh, uh, had to set it up, you know. I had yeah. the the role is setting it all up. So if I don't do what I do, it doesn't get set up. And yeah. that's basically what I did. I set it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. We got to get going because the thing runs out of clock and it's right, 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 very close to it. I want to thank you, Mike Mazza, for being on the show and yep. um, Marcus Reyes, the Mopi TV. Everybody go and get it. There's uh, yeah. some plenty of stuff on there for you to watch. There's something for everybody and there's going to be even more things coming out. And uh, my Amazon, go to Amazon and buy uh, Alliance books one through four. I can't believe I'm saying yeah. that. And, um, you know, I'll let affliction will be out soon, and I'll let everybody know where it's at. So, yeah. time to say goodbye, folks. Take care, uh, and uh, oh yeah, take care, everybody.